grab your Bible or your phone or whatever you have. I'll ask you to turn to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. <coughs> it's also on the app. If you go to the app, all the notes are there. You can take your own notes and save them and that sort of stuff. If you don't have the app, see us later and uh, we'll make sure you get it. You know, we're talking a lot about building at the moment. And uh, I just feel like I've been renovating for half of my life at this point in one form or another. But I'm really terrible at it. I'm just really good at paying for it. So um, I get people in who can do it. And uh, these, these guys are paid pittance. They're just paid nothing. But they do such a fantastic job. But don't give me a hammer. I'm lethal. I am, I am just, you know, I will hit everything except the head of the nail, mainly my fingers. You know, I remember one time being with a, a builder and holding this bit of wood like this, and I said, now, when I nod my head, you hit it. And he did. It nearly knocked me out. Um, so we're renovating a new church at the moment. The Bible talks a lot about, about building. You probably didn't realize that, but the Bible talks a lot about building. So I want to look today at, at building things into our life. <coughs> what you can build into, or what ask, ask you the question, what are you building into your life? But I also want to look in future weeks at other things that the Lord is building as well. So 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. Follow along with me if you can. <coughs> Paul writes this, For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building on it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. Listen to that. Take care how you build upon the foundation. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which has already been laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay or straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it. And because it will be revealed by fire and fire will test the quality of each man's work. If the work that anyone has built on that foundation survives he will receive his reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Let's pray together. Lord, we pray that you would just open these scriptures to us. <coughs> Father, that you would just show us what you mean that we might be building the right stuff into our lives. Ask this in Jesus' mighty name. So let me ask you, what are you building into your life? Now, I've been in places like the Philippines. Some of you may have traveled, but all around the world, there's some really weird things that you can build. And I thought I'd get a selection of, you know, kind of strange structures that you can... This apparently is an actual house. Can you believe that? I can't believe that. Let's look at the next one. That is an actual house. Um, can you imagine living there? I'll just step outside for a few moments. Uh, the next one. That looks like a house I built. So see, there's all sorts of weird structures in the world. Um, do you like that one? There's not much backyard. It's, yeah, that's the little house. I'm sure there's a little house in there somewhere. What's, what's the next one? <coughs> 
And and finally, and I know this one is definitely real. I have been to this place. This is Banaui in the Philippines. You recognize this? And this is incredible because we have eaten at this hotel here, which basically has a sheer drop off the edge of the cliff and you walk to the edge and it is just straight down. But they built this incredible, and I'll tell you, when you look at the structures up there, it is a step of faith to step into that building because it really looks scary. So you see, in places like the Philippines and other places, they don't really have regulations. You can build whatever you like, and as long as it stands up, you're a winner. And they mostly do. But in places like Australia, they have all these guidelines, and council and governments and stuff have all these guidelines that we are supposed to adhere to. That's what's given us all the trouble in building this building. There's all these guidelines. You can't just whack something up here in Australia and get it certified because there are actual rules to protect people and God actually has rules and standards too in Psalm 127 verse 1 it says this unless the Lord builds the house you labor in vain think about that unless the Lord builds the house you labor in vain you can spend a lot of time building something that's very impressive only to find out that in the end it is utterly worthless Now, this passage that we looked at here in Corinthians, Paul actually wrote to the church in Corinth, and he he went on to talk about building his lives. But it's, it's significant because the church at Corinth, if you know your history at all, this church was not a brilliant church. They had lots of really bad things going on. In fact, Paul des- described them as immature, selfish, and self-seeking. And he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, a few verses before the ones we just read, he said, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. They were spiritual babies. They were not a mature church. They were an immature t- uh, church. And he, he, said, he said this, even now you are still not ready, for you're still of the flesh. And then he went on to talk about what you build into your life. My question to you you and to myself this morning, to all of us, is what are we building into our life? What are we actually constructing? Now, over the last couple of months, we've had this, well, year or so, maybe a bit more, we've had this thing called COVID, which we all, you know, get upset about and we now making jokes about and all that sort of stuff. But the thing about COVID, like it or not, is that it caused us to reset our lives, many of us, didn't it? Remember that first lockdown where we, and I know for for myself and for Fiona, we made decisions that caused us to reset our lives. And sometimes God brings situations into our life which cause us to reset, to sort of step back and say, well, maybe we should do things differently. You know, things like operations or, or the death of someone we love or a financial loss or a change of job change of state, change of church. All of these things make us stop and look, you know, sit back and go, well, hang on a minute. Maybe I should do things differently. Some of you are there right now. You've had something happen in your life and you're there right now where you're stopping, you're looking at it and saying, well, you know, maybe it's time to reassess, not just do what we always did, but to reassess what we're doing. So I believe it's a terrific time, as Paul says, to examine what we are building. So let's get into it and find out. I want to talk about grace and works because if you're going to talk about any of this stuff, people are going to say, you're talking about salvation by works. And I can assure you, I am not. Let's make this very clear at the start. Salvation is by grace plus nothing. Do do we understand ourselves here? There's nothing you can do. You don't have to reach a certain standard to be a Christian. 
people say to me, the church is full of hypocrites. I say, well, come on in. There's room for one more because we're all hypocrites in some way. You don't have to reach a certain standard to become a Christian. You can bring the brokenness of your life to Christ and he can make something incredible out of it. That's what he does. He builds incredible things out of nothing. We talked about this just yesterday. As we, Britain, Britain and I went on a run yesterday. I know that's amazing. We went on a run. It was a fun run. I don't know how you put fun and run in the same sentence, but there it was. And so and we were talking along the way about how her life has changed because she came to Jesus. Jesus builds incredible things in your life, not rituals, not church attendance, not good works or kindness or theology. You just believe that Jesus is Lord. Ask him into your life as your savior and you are saved. Amen. Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2 is the definitive verse, if you like, on this. If you, if you look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, it says this. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. This is not the result of works. You are saved by asking Jesus into your life. It's a decision. It's a commitment, but it is not works. He's done all the work for you. We are not and cannot and could never be saved from an eternity separated from God by our works. What's the difference between Christianity and every other religion in the world? Every religion is God reaching up to man by keeping a bunch of rules. But Christianity is God in the form of Jesus Christ reaching down to man and bringing man home to himself. He's done it all for you. But the very next verse, Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared that we should walk in them. Uh, prepared beforehand that we should walk in them see to do good works is to express appreciation to God for his free gift of salvation and at the same time though good works is really they're really cool because it allows you to be part of what God is doing I want to be part of what God is doing don't you I don't want to just float along and see others doing it I want to be part of what God is doing advancing his kingdom now think about it to accept a free gift and then neglect the, or abuse the giver is an insult to him, isn't it? If someone came and gave you something and you said, hey, thanks for that, now nick off, that's not very you know, empowering towards them. We respond to God's salvation, God's free salvation gift by being willing to, to serve him and to honor him. If we are unwilling to give our time, talents, or resources to his purposes, we demonstrate a lack of gratitude. He laid down his life for us. We gratefully accepted it, and after that, we can't be bothered. I don't think that's right. Do you? I don't think that's right. So works do play a role, not in saving us, but in building important things into our life. And many Christians are unfulfilled and miserable, not, not because they're not saved. They're unfulfilled and miserable because they've never gotten around to doing the good works that God has prepared for them. There is an incredible, it's, it's an incredible experience to serve Jesus. I wouldn't swap it for anything. You could give me a million dollars. I'm not going to deny Christ for anything because this is the greatest life bar none. People talk about what, you know, I had to give this up to become a Christian. No, you didn't. I don't give up my garbage. I throw it away. You didn't have to give anything up to become a Christian because this is the greatest life bar none. Many Christians are unfulfilled and miserable 
just because they're not moving with God. They're not growing the right things. They're not building the right things into their life. In essence, they've got the foundation of Jesus, but they're just living on a concrete slab. And that's not much fun. I'd rather live in a house, wouldn't you? So let's talk about how we can build a victorious life in Jesus Christ. Number one, I want to talk about the foundation of Jesus. This is kind of what a foundation looks like, I believe. Is it, Tanya, is it mostly under the ground, the foundation bit? There you go. That's the, it's, it's down there. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 11 says this, No one can lay any foundation other than that which has been laid, which is Jesus Christ. See, Jesus Christ is the foundation upon which we need to build our lives. At the New Auditorium, we've been talking to and fro about a wall they want to build in there, and they want to put down um, footings and, and the foundation that is a meter deep because that's what keeps it stable and steady. Every building needs a solid foundation. Jesus said in Matthew 7, verse 24, listen to what he said. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them is like a wise man who builds his house upon a rock and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it did not fall because it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like the foolish man who built his house upon the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. You see, if we don't have that firm foundation of Jesus Christ, you can build whatever you like. It is unstable. A building structure is important. But the most important question is what's the foundation? That's the most important question. So here's four things I learned about foundations. And remember, I'm not a builder. So I don't know much about foundations, except that they're holes filled with concrete and steel. <clears throat> but this is what I learned about. A foundation is the first portion of the building. You can't add it later. You can't build the building, then lay the foundation. It doesn't work apparently that way. And in the same way, the Lord Jesus Christ is first and foremost with his people. You cannot build your life and then ask Lord, the Lord to come in at the end, lay the foundation first, because then you're building upon Jesus Christ. Secondly, a foundation is the support structure, of, support rather, of the whole structure. And there is no church except that which derives its support from Jesus Christ. I'm hearing all the time of people saying, oh, you know, we, we go to this church and they need you. You've got to do this and you've got to do this and you've got to do this to be saved. That's not a church, folks. It's not a church that, as we know it. If, you get, if they say to you to be saved, you need to, to ask Jesus into your life, plus this, plus this, plus That's not the church of Christ. The church of Christ, let me say it again, is trusting Jesus, number one, by faith, by grace, you come to him. Any church that says differently is not a true church. The third thing is the shape of the building is determined by its foundation. If any portion of the church is not based on Christ, it's deformed. And I reckon there's, so, there's a few deformities out there in the church world, don't you? I remember, you know, we've, we've owned properties where there have been bits added on the side, and they didn't have a foundation. They've just added on and they're not stable. The fourth thing is a foundation is indispensable to the building. And so Christ is indispensable to his church. In a house, we might close in a door. We might remove parts of the roof and it's still a house. But we cannot have a house if we take away the foundation. That's what happens in earthquakes. The foundation is shaken. Everything splits apart and, and it falls down. 
because the foundations were not sufficient. So if you don't have Jesus Christ in your life, then you are building on something that is not stable. You need Jesus in your life, number one. Everybody say number one. First thing, Jesus in your life. I had a friend who I was talking to one time. He said the walls in his house were cracking. I don't know if you've experienced that, but they're actually cracking. And he'd sort of get there and he'd wallpaper over it and paint it, and then the crack would reappear. The problem's not with the wall. The problem was with the foundations. You can paper over the cracks, but they will still be there and get bigger and because your foundation is not stable. I was just talking to some folks from Lake Macquarie, and down there they have a lot of mine subsidence underneath the buildings, don't they? And... When you, when you build the house, they, they build these mines deep down underground and then things collapse and guess what? The house is unstable. So we need a stable foundation to build the right things. The second thing is the build. It's the responsibility of every believer to build on that one sure foundation. Now we all have a choice. You can choose what you're going to build. How many of you have ever built a home here before? Not you, but commissioned it or overseen it and stuff you get to choose stuff don't you um fiona was very blessed when we were looking at um, the new lily house uh, they came out with a color palette and it saved her having to choose a bunch of stuff oh that's great that's great that's great and so it's you know whenever you build there's lots of things to choose and in our family it goes like this fiona says i think this color will match this color what do you think and i go yes because I am a man, and men only see in Windows default 16 colors. That's all we have. So women see fuchsia, and men see pinky purple. <laughs> women see aqua, and men see bluey green. And they say, well, what's teal? Oh, that's greeny blue. You see, this is all my mind. So, but there's all these decisions you need to make. Are you going to build a single-story house, a double-story house, a triple-story house, a stone house, maybe wood, maybe hardy flex, or maybe asbestos back in the day? We all know about that. Asbestos, move on. Every builder has a choice of the materials, and he has, but every material that you build with has consequences. was talking with Tim about some of the materials going into our new church building. He said, we, we can do these in wood and it will last a certain amount of time or we can do these in aluminium was it and they will they're much more expensive but they will last much longer like forever or as long as the, the structure stands there everything you choose has a consequence so 1 corinthians 3 verse 12 says this if anyone builds on the foundation with gold silver precious stones wood hay and straw so spiritually we can build on our foundation and we choose what we can build so my question to you this morning is, what are you building on the foundation of your life? Is it precious? Is it gold, silver, costly stones? Or is it wood, hay and straw? I don't know if you've ever been to the Taj Mahal, but um, it's, this is what it looks like. It's an amazing building. Of all the buildings I've ever seen, this one has impressed me so much, which is weird because it's a mausoleum. It's just a grave, basically. But that's some grave, isn't it? And this is an incredible building. Uh, if you go there in India, they're worried because the atmosphere in India is so putrid, it's actually breaking down the outside structure of the Taj Mahal. Can you believe that? It's, it's really toxic, but it's an incredible building. And they don't even have guards around it. 
even though it's full of these incredibly precious stones. Because if you tried to remove a precious stone and take it home with you, the people will kill you. They love it so much. It's their building. So this particular building, it's just in a small garden. That's pretty much all it is, exactly what you see there. It was built in the 1640s at the time for $956 million, they estimated at the time. Of course, today, how much is it worth? Priceless. It is made of incredible materials, gold, marble, everything else. Now, what you don't realize, you see all this writing and stuff here? This is all writing in um, um, Arabic and this sort of stuff and, and flowers and stuff like that. What you don't realize, they didn't paint that stuff on. That is, I think the next slide shows it, that is actually inlaid jewels. They cut into them up, then they inlay precious jewels into it and he's shining a light there to show you that it's actually a jewel. So this thing is of unbelievable value. It's made of, of stuff that, that really is just off the scale for our understanding, inlaying jewels in to make all these beautiful mosaics and stuff like that. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 17 to 18, talks about stuff that will last forever, that is gold, silver, and precious stones. Paul writes this, For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. For we look not on the things that are seen, but on the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So my question to you is, what are you building on this, on this foundation? If you've asked Jesus into your life and you're a Christian, what are you going to build on that stuff? Now, as you know, a little piece of gold isn't terribly visible. Yeah, have you seen gold? It comes in sort of little chunks, usually. But... A haystack is really visible. If you go out west, you'll, you'll look for miles. You can see 20 miles and see haystacks into the distance. So it's not about how visible it is that we're building. It's about the value of it. There are a lot of Christian folks, I believe, that in their life are building haystacks. They look very impressive. They're big. But at some point, they, they're going to understand that it's not as precious as they thought it was, even though it's big. Bigger is not better. Bigger is not always better. Ask me, my wife's five foot two. You know, good things come in small packages many times. So let me ask you again, what are you building into your life right now? Because the third thing that happens is you get the test. And the test, well, let's look at it. 1 Corinthians 3, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and fire will test the quality of each man's work. If the work that anyone has built on that foundation survives, he will receive his reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as one through fire. See, the haystacks look impressive, but when we are judged by fire, they're going to burn up. And you know what you'll get? You'll get a pile of ash at the end of that. But the gold, silver, and costly stones will remain. And the same thing is true of our works. That's what Paul's saying here. Now, the day spoken about is clearly Judgment Day. You've heard of Judgment Day, and you may think, well, I'm a Christian. I've asked Jesus into my life. I won't be judged. Yes, you will. Now, there's several judgments in the Bible. For the unbelievers, the judgment of the great white throne is the big one because that it, they, they will go before the God of the universe and he will judge them. 
And with a broken heart, he will say to, to unbelievers, depart from me, I never knew you. But Christians, <coughs> you are saved for all eternity, yes, but you will still be judged. Did you know that? It's the judgment seat of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10 says this, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Let me say it again, that each one would receive what is due for what they've done in the body. What we do matters, folks. Yes, we can be Christians. Yes, we can live for all eternity with him. But what we build upon that foundation really matters. <coughs> At the judgment seat of Christ, the foundation is not judged. The building is. Now, the word for received, that he may receive what has been done in the body. The word for receive is the word komitso in Greek, which means to carry off or to preserve. And this fits perfectly with the whole passage. What Paul is saying here is that when fire tests the quality of your work, what, what is preserved, what survives that, what is preserved is what will be counted. Now, the fourth thing is the abiding. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 14 says this, If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive his reward. The, the Greek word for survives is the word meno, which means to remain, to tarry, or to abide. Now, here's the thing. In the King James Version, everybody say, Yay, King James. I know some of you like it. In the King James Version, it says, if any man's works abide. They actually use the word abide for that. It's an interesting and often used word in the Bible. Now, you might think, well, where's the word abide used elsewhere in the Bible? Lots of different places. But in particular, John 15, Jesus says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, whatever you wish, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. See, abiding is just living in perpetually. It's forever perpetually being there. Now, what this passage in 1 Corinthians is saying is that if we abide in Christ and he abides in us, the spiritual fruit that is born, what you build upon that will abide forever. It's got long-term appeal. At the judgment seat of Christ, it's what abides with Jesus that's going to survive. Not the stuff you do for yourself, but the stuff that you do for him. A number of years ago, a study was done on an agricultural school in Iowa. Now, So these are American um, figures here. But they wanted to figure out what the production of 100 bushels of corn uh, from one acre of land, what it entailed. 100 bushels is 25 kilos to a bushel how many of you knew that i didn't know that either i had to look it up but this is what they found that in a farmer's labor he required the following four million pounds of water six thousand eight hundred pounds of oxygen uh, 5,200 pounds of carbon, 160 pounds of nitrogen, 125 pounds of potassium, and 75 pounds of yellow sulfur. I don't even know what that is. Apparently you need it because corn's yellow. And the other elements too numerous to list. Now the thing is, when they figured it all out, it was estimated, of course other elements like sunshine and that sort of stuff are needed as well. It was estimated that all of the corn crop, all it took was 5% of the production of that farm can be attributed to the efforts of man and the rest is attributed to God. Did you know that? So you might think, well, I'm pretty good. I could grow something. Betty grows stuff all the time and uh, she's got a green thumb. But 
5% of what you grow is your effort. The rest is the Lord's. Isn't that so wonderful to find out? It means that my failure to grow stuff is because I didn't put my 5% in. It's all about God. And it's the same with the works that we build in our life. We do a little bit, but he does the rest. It's about making the choice to build something important into your life. That's where it's really, really comes down to it. That's the most important thing. Now, the next thing we want to talk about is the rewards, because we do have rewards. You will be judged and there will be rewards. Rewards is not salvation, but there will be rewards. And I ask you again, what are you building? What kind of material are you using? If you're building with gold, it may not seem very impressive now, but in the long run, it will be worth something. But if you're building lots of big old haystacks, they might look nice now, especially from a distance, but ultimately, they will not be worth anything. I heard about a guy who was dying one time, very rich man, and he said to his butler, he said, please put a suitcase of gold bars in the attic, and that way when my soul goes to heaven, I'll grab that suitcase and I'll be able to arrive in heaven with all of this gold. And um, this is not theologically correct, but anyway, that's how the story goes. So he dies. His soul's floating up. He grabs that suitcase and he arrives in heaven with a suitcase full of gold bars, feeling pretty good about himself. And St. Peter says to him, what have you got in the suitcase? He says, I'll show you. And he opens it up and there's all these gold bars. And Peter said, what are you doing with a suitcase full of road base? Because in heaven, what are the streets paved with? You don't need that stuff. It's not, some, it's not something physical that you do. Real treasure is what you build into your life that really counts. In 1 Corinthians 3.15, it says, If anyone's work is burned up, burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as one through fire. That means by the skin of your teeth, sneaking through through the flames. A bit like this. This is a, a, a soldier here and he's running through the flames. And that's kind of how some people will get into heaven. Barely get in by the skin of their teeth as it, one escaping through the flames. I like to put it like this. There are, there are going to be some people in heaven who will be there because their foundation is Jesus Christ, but they will smell as if they've been bought at a fire sale. You ever bought something at a fire sale? It smells. Guess what of? Fire because fire has a habit of sticking around. Ultimately, they will have built nothing on their foundation. It's just a concrete slave. And they won't receive any rewards for their works because they never built anything important on it. So let me finish with this. What's the practical application of all of this? What does this actually mean? Well, Paul makes his point in this passage through the image of metal being purified by fire. The flames come in around metal and they burn away the impurities. And sometimes in our life, we don't like the tests that we face. We don't like the pain that we face, all of the difficulties we face, but they are the fires that can build, burn away the impurities around the gold that is really precious. Now, based on scriptures, you can imagine what, what do you think gold, silver, and costly stone is? Any idea? We can imagine what it is. You know, it's, it's stuff that we've done that is of God, isn't it? Godly decision-making pursuing justice and fair play, keeping our word, courage and perseverance in the face of, of opposition or persecution, humility, loving your home, loving your family, serving God, all of those things. When the flames die down, 
there'll be something precious and valuable built for you. But can you imagine what the wood, hay and straw is? Well, you can sort of figure it out. It's like all the things that you do that are not of God, manipulating people and wanting your own way, selfishness, squandering what you have on, on, on yourself all the time, ignoring the poor and the disadvantaged, grasping for money and power and prestige and all of that worldly stuff. That's not going to be worth anything in the long run. But here's the, the tricky bit. The tricky bit is this, that Paul is telling us that it's not just what you've built there, it's the attitude, he implies here, it's the attitude with which you build it. That's the important thing, it's the motivation, it's the why. You can do stuff for God and I think there'll be people in heaven who will think they're going up there having built this incredible thing and they'll have nothing because they did it all with the wrong motivation in heart. They did it all to promote themselves instead of really seeking to serve the Lord. Here's the thing. He doesn't need you to reach this world for Christ. Did you know that? He doesn't need you. He can use a donkey. Remember that story of Balaam? The donkey spoke to Balaam. He can use a donkey. He offers us the opportunity to join with him. This is a great privilege to be able to serve the Lord. Don't you think? You're not doing anything for him. You're privileged to be involved. That's how I see it. And I believe that coming in with that attitude makes it rank as gold, silver and costly stone because I come in with, Lord, I'm just thrilled to be a part of what you're doing. Matthew 6 verse 16, Jesus says to people, hey, if you've done all this so somebody can look at you and say, well done, you've received your reward in full. You've got the lot. You're not getting any more. But then he says this in a few verses later in verse 19. Jesus says this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If you find yourself constantly thinking about money, Guess where your heart is? You know, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And I would like to make sure that I'm building something that will last through all eternity because I'm serving the Lord with all my heart and I'm doing it from a pure spirit. That's what I want for my life. That's what I want for you too. So I want to take a few moments here at the end of our, our time together this morning to invite you to join us. Join us on this great mission of reaching our nation for Jesus Christ. Our nation is not even categorized by the United Nations as a Christian nation anymore because the population of Christians is too low. We are a pagan nation, folks, but I believe we can be a great nation for Jesus Christ one day, don't you? I believe we can turn this nation around. I believe that Australia has a destiny and a future. And it's our great blessing and privilege to reach this nation for Jesus Christ. It's not a duty, it's a privilege. It's a joy to be able to reach out. And Christianity is not a spectator sport. We've been privileged, uh, privileged to, to, to see some sports at the Olympics over the weekend. Have you watched the Olympics? It's a little bit flat for me. There's no one in the audience. Isn't that weird? They score a goal or they, they, they break a world record and five people go, yay. You know, it's, it's just, 
But Christianity is not a spectator sport. You get the chance to play the game. You can be out on that battlefield. You can experience the highs, the lows, the joys, and the incredible ultimate victory. It is ours to experience, folks, if we build the right things into our, our life. God designed church as a great way to build eternal value into life. You know, we're not here playing games. We're about to move into the center of our community. There will be people that you will meet that will come in through that door that will shock some of us. They will. And we've got to love them like crazy. Because guess what? We're called to love everybody. What a privilege to love everybody no matter what they're like. Ignite is a great vehicle to get involved. I want to encourage you, if you haven't done 201, come and join us. Sign up for it and come and join us because we want to find out what makes you tick, what gifts really inspire you, and we want to plug you in somewhere so you can be all you can possibly be for the Lord. We want your future to be built of something that's going to matter in the long run. We want you grafted in with us. Because we want to make sure that you produce gold, silver, and costly uh, stones. So today, I want to encourage you. We'll just take a few moments to stop. I want to encourage you to stop, look at your life, and honestly examine what you've built so far in your life. Only you can answer that question. What have you built in your life so far? Is it, is it precious? Will it last for eternity? Or will it fade away? You might have built a great house. You might have built a great business. All of that stuff's going to fade, folks. What matters ultimately, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Those words were spoken by a gentleman who went to the mission field after being an international test cricketer. CT stud. He gave it all up. He gave his fortune up and went to the mission field in China because he said only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And I want to encourage you to build gold, silver and costly stones on your foundation. Not wood, hay and straw. When fire tests the quality, are you going to come out smelling of roses or smelling of smoke? Would you bow your heads for a moment? If you've never asked Jesus Christ into your life, this is the moment to do it. If you don't have that foundation, I cannot finish this meeting without giving you the opportunity to ask Jesus into your life. Because he loves you. He laid his life down for you. And he promised you a life, promises you a life into eternity that will blow your fuses. It really will. He loves you so much, but you have to ask him into your life. If you've never asked him into your life, Say these words with me and we'll do it together. Just pray with me right now. Say these words. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I ask that you forgive me of my sin and I ask you into my life as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for giving me eternal life and I promise to live for you. If you pray that for the first time, I'm just going to ask you to shoot your hand up very quickly for me and let me know. There may be no one, but if there is, I'd like to know about it. Praise God. Now, if you are a Christian, if you are a believer, take a few moments now and look at your life. 
what have you built into your life? Because I'm telling you now, it is not too late. It is not. I don't care how old you are. I don't care if you became a Christian last week, last month, last year, or last decade. It is not too late to start building the right things into your life. So I want to encourage you. I'm not saying homes and family and businesses and stuff are not important. They are. But they're not eternal. You need to build eternal things into your life and serve him. So I'm going to ask you to join with me and pray this prayer with me. Just say these words with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for being the foundation of my life. But now, Lord Jesus, I ask that you give me the opportunity to build gold, silver, and costly stones on that foundation. Lord, I promise to serve you with all of my heart. Now, I know the Lord's spoken to many people here this morning. Some of you have ministries already. That's great. But I believe God wants more for you. God wants you to build the precious things into your life. We can do it together. Lord, I thank you for all that you're doing in our, in our church, in our community. And Lord, we right now, we want to be a part of it. We want to be a part of it, Lord, to say, Lord, here am I. Choose me. Choose us that we might serve you and honor you, we pray. Lord, I pray that you would raise up people in this church and out of this church into all of the community right around this nation and around the world who will make a difference, who will build in something of value to the people around them, something that lasts for eternity. Lord, we want to bless you and honor you with all of our lives, with everything we have, everything we are, everything we do, everything we long for, Lord. We lay it at your feet. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. We're going to close with a song. If we can ask the team back up on stage. But I want you to think about what you're building as we sing this together. Because we are here to bless God, aren't we? Do you want to bless him? I would love him to look at me and say, man, this guy blessed me. I don't want to be an embarrassment to him. I want to be a blessing. So once you stand, we're going to sing together. And let's bless the Lord as we finish up. Thank you.